Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. in a while, go find our podcast, either on Apple Podcasts or uh, I think we're on Spotify too. And uh, go check those out. Uh, we, we pretty well, unless we have some kind of technical difficulty, we load all of our services there. And um, we've, we were in kind of a five-week series on knowing the season of the rapture. Um, and, uh, and really, from the things that we see going on around us, um, it, it, it definitely looks um, uh, very close and very near. And I, I can say this with 100% confidence that we're a whole lot closer today than the day they wrote the Bible. Amen? I mean, by, just by default. And so um, if Jesus and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter were writing in, in the Word of God back then about the urgency of the return of Christ, and now we're 2,000 years on the other side of that, I think it's even more urgent today. And so uh, we stayed around in there. I don't know if we'll go back to it. Last week, I, I felt like I had a message that I needed to preach, and um, so we kind of veered a little bit. We may get back to it when I get back. I don't know. But this message here has got a lot of the same, some of the same information. Uh, but we're, uh, we're going to take a little bit different turn uh, on this as far as the, the, uh, the, me- the you know, kind of what the big idea of the, of the message. Uh, but in Matthew, the 24th chapter, starting in verse 1, um, it says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, he, uh, now as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and, when, uh, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you do not, you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up, to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath for men, for then... um, there will be a great tribulation such as not seen, uh, not been since in the beginning of the world until this time, nor 
shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, uh, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, there do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning uh, comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is there, the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will, uh, will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great, shout, a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree when its branches have already become tender and puts forth uh, leaves. You know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near and at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until they see the things take, these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And this is where we really want to key in, like really pay attention right here. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be at the field and one will be taking the other one left. And two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taking the other one left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. I know that was a lot to read, and uh, if you are confused on any of those um, illustrations and things that Jesus was talking about in prophecy, this was prophesying about the, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, uh, which I don't have time to get into it today, but it's two different events. Um, but how many of you believe that if Jesus said it would be a certain way, then it will be just as he said it would be? How many believe if Jesus said it'd be a certain way, that's how it's going to be? And so I'm, I'm not going to teach Bible prophecy this morning or, or get into whether the, some of these things have happened or when they'll happen. Like I said, you can go back to our Wednesday nights if you want to hear some of that. But I just want to establish the fact uh, that Jesus said that these things were going to happen. And that's something you, that's, that's a foundational point that you need to learn this morning is Jesus said that these things are going to happen. Not that they might happen, not that they could happen, not that they'll happen unless we do something different. No, he said that this is going to happen, amen? And I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of telling the, the, the end at the beginning here, uh, but I think sometimes as Christians, we get confused um, on what we're trying to save. As a Christian, you're not trying to save this world system. 
it's not going to be saved. As a Christian, our responsibility is to reach out and offer the salvation of Jesus to people who are lost. Because that's who Jesus is, is, is trying to get off of this earth that is going to go the way he just said it was going to go. Amen? I'm not saying there's, nothing, there's anything wrong with you doing your part uh, to make the world systems better and that Christian influence can be in world systems and different things like that because we need good people and good Christians in these world systems because the gospel can be preached through that. But make no mistake about it, it's not because we think that we can save the world's systems. It's gonna go the way the Bible says it's gonna go. Amen? Our purpose, if we're gonna be in those, those arenas and those purposes to be in those arenas as Christians is to make sure that people know that Jesus is the only way out of here. Amen? Can I get a better amen? amen? So in verses one through 14, basically we'll break it down. This is what he said. He said, the temple would be destroyed. He said, many will come in his name deceiving many, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, that nations would be against nation and kingdom against kingdoms. There'd be famines, there'd be pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Believers would be persecuted, hated and killed by all nations. Many would be uh, offended, betray each other and hate one another. False prophets would rise up and deceive many. Lawlessness would abound and the love of the, and people's love would grow cold for one another. And at the same time though, so all that sounds really bad, and how many of you raise your hand if you say, I see all that happening right now? There's a lot of it happening right now. And a, a lot of that's bad, but in the, in, the, in the same time that all of this darkness that is gonna be going on, if you, don't, if you don't really look for it, one thing that he mentioned in there, the gospel would be preached in the entire world to all nations. So even in this great darkness that's going on, the gospel is still gonna be preached to all people and all nations and all of the world, and then he said the end would come. But there's a great harvest that's going to happen amongst great darkness. Romans 5.20 says, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Amen? Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Another translation says it this way, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Listen, as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more more abundant. There's so many things happening in the world today that people are setting themselves up for some of the, some of the biggest uh, times of, of mass salvations that there's ever been. Um, I just learned uh, here recently that just right over here in Tyler, I don't know if anybody have heard about this, but just right over here in Tyler, uh, that the satanic church out of Dallas, one of them, came down to Tyler and held an unbaptism service in the town of Tyler, an unbaptism service. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's getting closer and closer. It's closing in on our small communities, on, on places that were once dominated uh, uh, in, in the Bible Belt. And, 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 and you know, Tyler's a big uh, Christian uh, center. I don't know if you know this, but there's been a lot of people who have reached all over the world uh, that have really been based out of and came from the Tyler area. And so that's why they want to attack those areas and stuff. But it's, it's subtle. It's no, no longer is the demonic... Uh, uh, things of, of our culture subtle anymore. They're right in your face and they don't care and they held this big thing and they, I, I watched the news broadcast where they literally had unbaptism certificates just like we have baptism certificates where they're, they're uh, telling people and people are, are pledging their, uh, they're, they're denouncing their, their faith in God and they're pledging their allegiance to their self 
and to Satan because the whole, the whole premise of Satan worship is uh, do as you want to do. And that's why that's been preached to our generation. You be you. You do you. Um, you know, you, you do whatever makes you feel good. You do whatever makes you feel right. That mentality and that thought process is absolutely demonic from the pits of hell. It is. It's right there in the, in the main motto of the satanic church. Do thy wilt. That's what they say. Do what you want to do. Do your will. Whereas God says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. So that's going on. And then, uh, like I said, I didn't really want to get into a lot of the stuff that's going on right now, but I think it helps. Uh, the, the other thing that's going on that you may not be aware of, and it's Bible prophecy happening right now, is the Euphrates River is drying up. And as it's drying up, they are making discovery after discovery after discovery of all of these civilizations. And this was not a Christian network that was showing this because they were saying it almost in a skeptical way, but they're saying the people that are down there uh, uh, trying to go down, there's all these cave tunnels and all these different things that are clearly look man-made. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, because in the book of Revelation it says that there are going to be these fallen angels that are going to be released in the time of tribulation to, to cause havoc and, and kill a third of the world's population, all this stuff. The interesting thing is, as, as these people that are not necessarily Bible believers or anything, they're, they're going down there to explore all these different cave systems stuff, look it up, and they've said that, that it's like they can hear down through these tunnels, they can hear people in agony and in pain, and they're hearing these things come out of there, and almost like there's, there's these chains just kind of rustling around way down in the earth, and it's, it's, it's freaking them all out when they're hearing all this stuff. They're seeing, all, they're finding all these bones of giants and all these different things. Listen, guys, the Bible's real. When it says something in there, it's not a fairy tale. I remember several years ago, there was a lot of these big popular worship leaders. I remember there's one in particular. I used to like his music and stuff, and I, I used to think it was good, but all of a sudden, he came out as, as being quoted and saying and backing it up, saying that he just believed that the Noah Ark story and everything like that, that they were just biblical fairy tales, that they didn't really happen. It was just a way to explain what was going to happen. So you have people... Uh, denying the realness of what's in the word of God and the historical facts and everybody's trying to cover these things up because, um, but, but how many of you know that God will never be covered up? Amen? Everything will be exactly the way he says it's gonna be. And so the world is gonna end up exactly the way the word of God says that it will. There's really no stopping it. But we have time today for a great harvest. Amen? Uh, verses 37 through 39 say this, but as, in the days of Noah, as, but as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So just like in Noah's day, I want you to understand this, just like in Noah's day, he has found preachers of righteousness. You know who the preachers of righteousness are today? It's the church, not just me. It's, it's anybody that's in the body of Christ. You're a preacher of righteousness, or, or, or you should be. 
That's the righteous family of God. Noah was the only righteous family found on the earth, and that's why God spoke to him, and that's, that's why God rescued him out of what he was gonna do. He spoke to him, and, and we don't have time to get into it today, but also he rescued Lot's family when, when Sodom and Gomorrah was gonna be destroyed. They've actually found evidence of Sodom and Gomorrah, where it's at. And, and they literally have found big, huge sulfur balls there that they said is the purest sulfur that you've ever seen. Most sulfur is yellow. This is white. And it's like 98.9% complete pure sulfur. It doesn't have anything else in it. Like most, It's the only place that this type of sulfur is found in the entire world. And it's right about the place that the, the uh, ancient city of Sodom and Gomorrah should be. I'm telling you, the things in the Bible are real. And every single day, they're finding more and more evidence that it was real. And in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham, he was the righteous family of God, and he had, he had a relative named Lot that was, was part of his family, and, God, and he, God told him, I'm fixing to go down there and destroy it. And he said, well, will you save my, my family out of there? So he goes and sends a couple of angels down there and sends them out. Everybody in, in Abraham's family was rescued out of that, except for the wife. She was rescued, but then she turned around and looked back, remember? And so God's always going to save his righteous family out of any kind of wrath. Wrath is not pointed to us. We're his, we're his church, we're his bride, we're his sons, we're his daughters. So we're the righteous family of God. So we are, we are Noah in today, in today's world. So just like in Noah's day, he, found, uh, he has found preachers of righteousness, the church, to warn the people, and he has provided an ark. Can anybody guess who the ark is today? We didn't have to build the ark. God built the ark. The ark is Jesus Christ. That's who the ark is. You know, Noah actually had to build a boat and, and get in the boat and stay in the boat, but, but God came and, 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 and built himself a body to be in, and he provided a way out of this, and that's through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is our ark. Um, our job as Christians is not to um, basically save the world system, as I already said. It's our job to get people on the ark. Amen? A lot of times we get confused. We, we want to, I think it's in our nature. We want to make things better. And I'm not against making things better. But I am saying that as we get closer and closer to this time, it's going to become uh, more and more important for us to, to make sure that we're not wasting time doing something that is not going to directly benefit people getting on the boat. That's, that's really what we're here for, Right? Uh, we're, we're here uh, to make sure that everybody knows that, hey, if you're going to get out of here, you have to get on the ark, and the ark is Jesus Christ, and you have to be in him, and you've got to receive him. God didn't tell Noah to start building. Uh, I, I think this is interesting. If you think about it, God didn't, God didn't start telling Noah, like, hey, I'm going to flood this place, and I want you to build a sandbag wall, and I want you to fortify the city and protect the people uh, from the coming destruction. He said, build a boat and get people on the boat. That's what he said. It's going down. And, we, and, we're, uh, and the only people that are gonna be rescued are the people that's on the boat with you. Amen? Everything Jesus said would happen is going to happen, and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. Our job is to get people on the saving ship that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our ark. He is our vessel of righteousness that takes us to the place that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Amen? Go over to uh, 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. This message should, A, sure up your desire to be a part of the righteous family of God, and then also, 
I, I think it should prompt you to make sure that you don't make uh, talking to people about Jesus any more complicated than that. That, hey, there's coming a day. Are you ready for that day? Well, you know, I try to be good. It ain't not, nothing to do with that. It's got something to do with have you trusted Jesus? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Amen? Do you serve him? Is he Lord? Because if that's true, then you're, then you're on the boat. You're on the ark. 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in in the last days walking around, or sorry, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. This is where we need to not fall asleep because I know, um, you know, when I began to come into the church as a, as a teenager, it wasn't as prevalent then. I didn't hear a lot about the rapture. I didn't hear a lot about the second coming because I think that people had talked about it and talked about it and talked about it so much that people got, you know, to where they just were ear deaf to the fact that it's going to happen because it's like it didn't happen today and it didn't happen yesterday and it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. And it's saying right here uh, in these times, and if you go back to what Jesus said, it says like in the days of Noah. Well, in the days of Noah, as far as society is concerned, it probably was good times. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. It didn't seem like they were at war. It didn't seem like that they were in poverty. It didn't seem like that they were in these stressful moments of time. It seemed like they were in a pretty relaxed time where everything was taken care of, right? And they were probably looking at Noah like he's the craziest guy in the whole wide world because, you know, he's out there building a boat and they don't even know what rain is. It's never even rained at this point. They don't know what it is. But he's out there building a boat and he's telling them there's a flood coming. They're like, what, what is a flood? All this water is going to come and it's going to, how's that going to happen? And so just like there, Peter's saying this. He says, listen, there's going to be scoffers. And they're going to come in the last days. So they're going to be more prevalent in the days that Jesus is about to come than ever before. It says in the last days. They're going to be walking according to their own lust and saying... Where is the promise of his coming? And that's rhetorical. That's, you know, facetious. They're, they're just going, Where, where's he been then? I mean, he ain't come yet. For since the fathers fell asleep, and this is what they'll say, since way back then, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. It's been this way forever. You think it's really going to change? For this, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water... And in the water, by which the world that, uh, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are re reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. 
So if it has been 2,000 years, which we believe that it has been since Jesus left the earth and was seated at the right hand of the Father, that's been a long time for us. There's been a lot happen in 2,000 years. But to God, it's been like two days. So to God, since Jesus left the earth and was seated at his right hand, it's been like since Friday. And when you look at it from God's timeline, and we're sitting there going day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, I don't know if he's coming. You know, there's been a lot of times where it would have been a great opportunity for God to come. And I'm sure that people were living, that were living back in the day uh, when Hitler had his rule and had his reign, they probably thought, Jesus is coming. Because this is horrible. How could it get any worse? Of course, I remember a lot of you when the, the plane struck the tower. We thought Jesus is coming and we all flooded into the church. Partially because we were afraid for our nation and what might happen. But I think other, another percentage of us was probably like, I know I'm not right with God and I know I'm not living for God. And so things are turning loose. But what you need to know is, it's probably not going to be like that when the, when the Lord actually raptures his church. It's going to be in a relaxed, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. People scoffing. It's always been this way. He hasn't come yet. Those are the times, the, the times where everybody else is relaxed and intoxicated by life. Those are the times that are ripe for Jesus to come back. Amen? That the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Meaning just because you think it's been too long, it doesn't mean that it's been too long for him. He's not slack. He's not laid back. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. If anything is delaying, Jesus is coming back is because he has long-suffering towards humanity. He has the ability to extend until the very last second to make sure that he has reaped every single soul that he could reap. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it's, it's gonna happen. The same words that upheld, as the word of God says, upheld the promise that he would never again, I want you to think about this, the same exact words, this is what Peter was saying, the same exact words that upheld the promise 
that he would never again flood the earth the way he did in Noah's day are the same words that made the promise that the earth will end up the way that it's going to end up. This is not the will of God. God doesn't want to do this. He didn't want to do this. The will of God is that none should perish. Verse 9. In John 3, 15 through 19, it says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe it is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So this isn't what God wanted. This is just what has to happen. Remember the day that Adam and Eve fell, that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden their eyes were opened because they had sinned. And from that day, God came into the garden. He's looking for them and he's asking, why'd you hide from me? And they said, well, we hid because we were naked. And he said, well, who told you we were naked? And he found out that Eve had been deceived by the serpent, by Satan, to, to eat of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that Adam had disobeyed the word of God and adhered to his wife's word over the word of God. And so from that day, though, God had a plan the very second that it happened. He said, the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman is gonna come, and he spoke to Satan. He said, you're gonna bruise his heel, but he's gonna crush your head. And that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He was the seed of the woman. And yes, he was bruised and, uh, for us. He was beaten for us. But ultimately, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. So this wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan to have to destroy the earth. And it wasn't God's plan to have to destroy men. It wasn't God's plan to have to do all that things. It wasn't even God's plan for him to destroy Satan. Because if you'll remember, Satan wasn't always Satan. Satan was one of his archangels that was in heaven. He was the head over praise and worship. He is the most beautiful thing up to that point that God had ever made. And he was the one, the Bible says, iniquity was found in him. And he began to say, I can be just like God. So it wasn't even God's plan to have to destroy Satan because there was no Satan. It was just Lucifer. And it wasn't God's plan to have to destroy a third of the angels, but they followed Satan out of heaven. So all of these things that God is having to do that, that we see in the book of Revelation, that we see in the book of Daniel, is none of it was God's plan. But because people began to trust and their own ideas rather than what God said. It's the same for you. When things are going on in your life, it's really, I guarantee you, if you're real, real honest with yourself, you could always take it back to, I decided to follow what I wanted to do rather than what I knew God wanted me to do. God didn't want this destruction in our life. And his great mercy 
he sent his only son because that was the only one that could take care of it for us. And now he's saying, I've got to do away with this. And I've got to do away with Satan and I've got to do away with the, fallen, the, the, the third of the fallen angels. I, gotta, I have to. And I have to do away with this world. And unfortunately, because men are stubborn and men don't want to trust in God, there are going to be men that go down with the world. But it's not because God wanted it. He's gone to great lengths to make sure that you don't and that I don't. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because it already was. Judgment has already been made on the world. Jesus came to rescue those who want to be rescued. It's our job as the body of Christ to get people on the ark by any means possible. It's our job as the body of Christ to get people in the body of Christ by any means possible. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, this is the uh, amplified version. It says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave us, and gave to us, watch this, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So he saves us, and as he does that, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what the ministry of reconciliation is? It's that when you go out there, and it doesn't matter what a person has done or is doing, that you're going out there and your main objective when you're with that person is I am trying to help you reconcile back to God, back to the kingdom of God, or into the kingdom of God for the first time. It's a ministry of reconciliation. That by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but concealing them, I'm sorry, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration to favor. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. Boy, when we, go, when we go to people, we make it so difficult. We gotta jump through this hoop and then you gotta, you gotta become a member of the church and we wanna see you get baptized and then you gotta dress this way and you gotta cut your hair this way and you know, cover up them tattoos and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff like that. No, no, no. Paul is saying... If I gotta beg you, when's the last time you met somebody that you knew wasn't saved and was just staring you dead in your eyeballs and saying, I don't believe in God and I don't do this, that? When's the last time that you got down on your hands and knees and you begged them to receive Christ? I'm begging you. No, most of the time we go, okay, all right, I, 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 I don't wanna step on your toes. Why is it Christ is the only thing that we're not willing to? 
to get in somebody's business about. You'll get in somebody's business about everything else. You'll get in heated arguments over political things. I see it all over Facebook. I watch it. But you won't get in somebody's business about Jesus, not in a, not in a derogatory way, but in a, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm absolutely begging you. Because, because I've read the book. I may not understand it all the way, but I, I know what's coming. And, and apparently you haven't read it or you don't believe it. But please let me pray with you. Please, I'm just, I'm just begging you. I'm not trying to argue with you about all the do's and don'ts. I'm just, I'm begging you to, to, to get in right standing with the favor of God. And it's nothing that you can do. It's everything that Jesus did. And we're not trying to tell you that you got to wash up and you got to clean up because that's what a lot of people think. I got to wash up and I got to clean up before I can come and really begin to say that Jesus lives on the inside of me. No, if you'll allow Jesus to clean you, you'll be clean. I know I tell this story sometimes and I don't know if I've told it in a little while, but but I always think about that because people want to clean themselves up before they start coming to church and before they start serving God. The key is, is not that you're coming to church and not that you're just trying to serve God. The key is, is that you met Jesus and you asked Jesus to come into your heart and you said, Jesus, I've come to the end of myself. I've come to realize that I don't know what's best for me and I've tried to run my life the way I I, I wanted to and and I've run into issue after issue and I've run into problem after problem and I know that no matter what I do, there's no way possible that I could ever be worthy enough to enter into your kingdom and so I'm surrendering myself and I'm laying myself here before you and I'm saying I can't do it on my own I need help I need your salvation you pay for it God because I can't pay for myself but I always think about this when I was a kid you know we were we were always getting in trouble because we were we were swimming where we weren't supposed to be swimming anybody ever go you know parents tell you don't go down there and get that pond Go down, don't go down there and get in that creek. And, and they'd even tell us stories. I don't know, it may be true, it may not be true, but there was a pond, you know, not too far from, from, from our property that used to be a part of our family's property. And, and they'd say, you know, one time we told them kids not to go swimming down there. And um, they went swimming down there and all them water moccasins came in and killed one of them right there in the pond. Now I'm thinking, I think, that was, I think they were just telling us that to keep us out of the pond. But in my mind, I wasn't swimming in that pond. I was swimming in another pond. But, you know, the first couple of times we got caught because we get down there playing around and, and, and we get, you know, all of our ponds up there were, were red clay. But we get caught because we come back wet clothes, wet shoes, because we just didn't care. We get, in, we get in trouble and probably get paddled or whatever. And um, we got smart, though, we thought. And we just started stripping down to our whitey tidies. Because we thought, we'll dry off and then we'll put our clothes back on and nobody will know, Right? We tried to conceal it. We tried to cover it up because we thought we can't, come, we can't come back home unless we're clean. No matter how much we tried to get clean, them underwear were still orange when we got home. <laughs> and we still had red clay behind our ears and between our toes. We get caught every time. You can't clean yourself up good enough to go to heaven. You can fool all of us, but you're not fooling God. And God doesn't want you to fool him. He just wants you to receive salvation and forgiveness and cancellation of sin. Amen. To the point, if we have to, we'll beg you, please. Not begging you to come be a part of the church. We're not begging you to come give in the tithe. I'm not begging you to come volunteer. I'm just begging you 
to serve God, to receive him as your Lord and Savior. He'll take care of all the rest of that. We can't change the direction that this world has gone, but we must, by any means necessary, get people out of the world, the kingdom of darkness, into the ark, into the relationship with Jesus Christ. It's our job, it's our duty, it's our ministry, and it was given to us by Jesus Christ himself. The world is going down literally in flames, but we'll be saved out of the fire because we're on the ark, Jesus Christ. You need to make sure that everyone you know and come in contact with is on the ark. You know, you can't do this on your own. So if you're saved and you say, man, that sounds good, but man, I just kind of get scared. I get scared of what somebody's gonna say. Well, I think, and I'm putting myself in that, that, that boat, I think that we probably need to get more scared of when we're in heaven not seeing their face there, knowing that we had a minute half an hour, an hour, or every day that we pass by them, knowing that we had that time that we could have talked to them. Because you may, you may be thinking right now, as long as me and mine get there, I'm okay. But I guarantee you, when you get there, you're gonna begin to think about, you're gonna begin to see all those faces that you could have and should have, and God gave you doors to talk to, but because of fear and because we don't know if they'll receive us, listen, it's not, it's not our job to make them receive us. It's our job to beg and plead with them to get on the ark of Jesus Christ. But you can't do it on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit, especially in this hour. I'm gonna read one more scripture and then we'll be done. Acts 1, 7 through 8, it says, Jesus said, they're asking about the, the times and the dates. And again, the disciples are. And this is Jesus' answer. He said, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He says, just, it's gonna happen, but put that out of your mind for a minute. And then he goes in verse eight and he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the, and to the ends of the earth. You know, we, we are a spirit-filled church. And a lot of times what people think spirit-filled means is just, having a hot service, you know what I mean? People running around shouting, screaming, and, and, and all that's fine if, it, if it's really the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't mind it. I'm not nervous. But if the Holy Spirit only makes you jump, shout, scream, and run around the building and he doesn't make you go witness to people, I don't know what you got. Because when Jesus said we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, he said he'd give you power to be a witness. That's more important than jump, shout, and scream. If you gotta jump, shout, and scream because you wanna get free, hey, I'm all for it. But, but the purpose of the helper, a big part of the purpose of the helper in the believer's life is so that we'll have power to be a witness so that you're not out there trying to preach the gospel to somebody on your own strength and on your own wisdom, that we have the wisdom of God. We don't have the natural ability to stand and fight the good fight of faith. We need the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll have to be spirit-filled and have the power of the Holy Spirit in the days and the years to come if you're gonna withstand, really, the attacks of the enemy and be that person that preaches the gospel. Amen. I wanna thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.